0: Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. My name is Ines Franklin, I'm the chapel pastor, and I'm, this is the most beautiful sight to see all of you here today to experience the beauty of Christmas together. So thank you for being here. And you know, Christmas is a wonderful time of the year, right? We love all the decorations, the food, the parties. I mean, how many of you are going to parties after this? right? No, none of you? some sort of dinner. Uh, All the fun celebrations of Christmas, the gifts, the the malls have like these massive decorations and you wonder where do they get these things, right? All the beautiful music that comes with Christmas. Christmas is a wonderful time and we've been talking here at the chapel over the last month about this day. We've been looking forward to this day. Some of you may not know this but We have services here at the chapel every Sunday at the same time as the main sanctuary at 9 and 11. And this uh, whole season, we have been looking at Christmas for what it is. The the Christmas that the world celebrates so often. All the celebrations are wonderful, but they're just the tip of the iceberg. So we've been looking at this picture of an iceberg all this season long, reminding ourselves that much of what the world knows as Christmas is just but the tip of the iceberg. And there the sun can beat it down and melt it away. But underneath all the Christmas tree lights and all the gifts is something far more powerful, more wonderful, more amazing, more lasting. And we've been looking under the surface. We looked at hope, the promise of hope. We looked at peace. And actually at that service, we prayed for one another. Beautiful service of really bringing in the peace of God to each other. And then last week, we talked about the beautiful gift of joy, that God promises us joy, and he will deliver on that promise. Joy is going to have the last word. And last week, we even danced a little bit of salsa, you know, because yeah, that's what happens when you have a Puerto Rican pastor. We've been looking forward to today, because this is what we're really saying and learning and reminding ourselves of. That Christmas represents an incredible truth, and that is that God keeps His promises. God makes promises, and He keeps them. He promised hope, He promised peace, He promised joy, and today we're gonna to look at the promise of love. That God promised us us love. In fact, I wanna to read to us as a foundation before we begin, the fact that God is a promise making and promise keeping God is said well in Numbers 23. Look what it says. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No. What God promises, he delivers. In Isaiah 55, although the entire Bible is really the picture of God's promise of love for us, Isaiah 55, one verse captures it to me quite beautifully. So let me read this over you. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you might live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. There's quite a bit of repetition in this verse, and you may not notice it in the English. It was written originally in Hebrew. And what we see is when he says, I will make an everlasting covenant. Now, listen, the covenant is a very firm promise. So a promise that's supposed to last forever. So when you say everlasting and that kind of a promise, you're kind of repeating yourself. Then we see the repetition again when he says, my faithful love. Now, again, the word for love in the Hebrew is hesed. It's a particular kind of love, the greatest possible love. It means it's often translated mercy, loving kindness, and, of course, love. And here we see it's the kind of love that's faithful, that is lasting, that never lets you down. So when it says faithful and love, it's, again, repeating itself. God promises us promises us his love. And not just any love, he gives us a practical example. He says, as I love David. Now, if you know the story of David, David was chosen by God as a child, as shepherd, and God chose him to be the king of Israel. He anointed him. He prepared him. He provided for him. He protected him. He forgave David when David messed up. All of David's life, God demonstrated his love for him. So we can look at David and see God loved David. God loves his people. God promised to love you. And so as we look at the Christmas story today, because that's what we do at Christmas we're going to look at the promise that Christmas brings to us. The most powerful message of the Christmas story is that God promised his love for his people. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of love. And I'm thinking that in a room with this many people, we have a range of experiences. I'm assuming that some of you came in today and you're not feeling all that joyful. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but not so much for you. You've had a rough year. Maybe you have financial trouble. Maybe a relationship has blown up. Maybe you're dealing with an illness. Because there are certain things in life that don't celebrate Christmas, and they certainly don't take a break at this time. Cancer doesn't take a break. Illness doesn't take a break. Neither does conflict. And so maybe for you, This is a heavy time. I have friends who have lost their loved ones, husbands who died suddenly, children who have died. This is a heavy time. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. And I'm thinking some of you have come with a great deal of joy. You're like bursting with joy. You're like, woo, all this energy. You just can't wait to share it with others. And you'd be like that. Just me. Okay, I'll deal with that. But for those of you who are here with that level of joy, thank you for being here because some of us have to borrow some of that. Some of us need to go on your energy because we don't have it. And no matter where you are in this range, whether you have a lot of joy or very little of it today, this is the beauty of the story of Christmas. Because you see, love, God's love for us, it's for us any time of the year. It's not just when it's convenient for God or when we feel good. You see, God's love is for our high times and our low times and everything in between. It's for every season. It's for every day. It's for every minute. And that's what we celebrate in Christmas. And so let's look at the Christmas story with that in the background. And we're going to look at the uh, writing according to Luke. Now, Luke wrote an account. Essentially, his gospel was written for one main purpose. He says it in Luke first, Luke one. He says he wrote this account after interviewing eyewitnesses, after talking to believers. He takes this account investigating all the details for one purpose, and that is so that the reader, you and I, could know that these things actually happen. We're not reading a fairy tale. We're reading a story of something that happened in history. And so we're reading it from that lens. So if you have your Bible, your phone, phones are allowed in church, isn't that nice? And you can go to the app, but let's read the Christmas story and see God's love demonstrated through it. And we're going to read it in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first son firstborn, a son. I'm going to pause there for a second. I got a little way ahead of myself because I want to stop and show you the beautiful timing when the, the story of Christmas came. First of all, it says that a census was being taken. The Christmas story breaks into history in a very messy time. You see, the people of Jerusalem were oppressed by the Roman government. For years, they were oppressed. They were oppressed by taxation and all kinds of laws. And a census only had one purpose, which was to increase the taxes. And they were told that they had to register, which only had one purpose to make sure the taxes were paid. So you could imagine the environment. I mean, how happy do you think these people were coming back into town only to be taxed higher? Imagine being 80% taxed. And so the mood, the seat, the scene was a very down, negative, dark time where people were crying out to God to save them. And so we see that God comes, this story crashes into history in a very messy time. And then we're told he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. Listen, we may not get it today, but in this context, the idea of being pledged to marry and with child did not go together. Even today, I think we were like, we meet someone who's having a child before marriage and someone's like, whoa, okay, something got out of order. Because that's really how it was then. To be pledged to be married was like to make a contract. And it would take almost a year before the wedding would come. In that time, the man would be building a house for them to live. And so we see Mary and Joseph pledged to be married, but she's already pregnant. Now, Mary and Joseph knew what happened because we're told that an angel came to Mary to tell her she would have the son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, just in case he decided to give up on Mary, an angel comes to him as well. And so he decides to stay with Mary and they come to Jerusalem together. Now, everybody else didn't know this. So they see Joseph coming into town. Now, mind you, this is his hometown. He had his homies there. This is where he would come, and everyone would go, hey, Joseph is back. Everyone, woohoo! come on. But this was not one of those moments, because now Joseph is coming back with a pregnant wife, woman, not yet his wife. And everyone looking at this situation might have said, whoa, okay, what happened here? Either Mary was not loyal to Joseph, or Joseph got ahead of the game. But something here isn't quite right. And my guess is before they even said hello, people were like already whispering and gossiping and maybe giving all kinds of issues to them, looks to them. The Christmas story breaks in to the messy lives of Mary Joseph. And I, for one, I'm extremely grateful. I did not become a believer until I was 40 years old. And that was sort of yesterday, but not really. But listen, my life was a mess. My life, by that time, I was going through divorce. I was in an affair. And God, the Christmas story, came crashing into my life. I was not looking for God. I was not interested in religion or church or nothing of the sort. And there, in my darkest moment, in the messiest time of my life, God came crashing in with a story of his love. I don't know about you. I don't know if you have a messy life, too, like I did. Maybe it's happening right now. Maybe your mess happened long ago, and you're carrying the shame. Maybe, maybe there's all kinds of other messes in your life. I just want you to take this from the Christmas story. In that mess, that's where God's love will come. There is no place where God isn't willing to go. And the fact that we see the Christmas story coming into a messy time, into messy people, shows that there's no place where God is not willing to go to rescue you from yourself and to give you life. The third thing we see is that it was a messy place. We're told that while they were there, they, the baby, it was time for the baby to be born. This is uh, verse six. And she gave birth to her first born a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. Now, you know, when it says a manger, we have these ideas of the little beautiful uh, nativity scene with a wood basket, and it's all romantic. But just like that kid in the video, it smelled. Because a manger, it's actually a stone block. And Let me give you a picture of what that looks like. This would be used to put the food for the animals or the water. Now, I think there are a few parents here. Uh, How would you like to put your newborn... Delicate little baby into a place where animals are drinking or eating their food. And only would only, one would only do this because they had to. The fact that there was no place for them to say, we're not told exactly, but we can guess because frankly, who would want this shame to come into their home? In a shame honor society, if you brought someone in who was living in shame, you took on that shame as well. So anybody having room, probably figure out some other way. So Mary and Joseph were forced to stay someplace where the only place to put their child was in a place where animals would eat or drink. It was a messy place. And again, we see the Christmas story breaking into the messy place. And the world is a messy place, right? We don't have to look very far. Check out the news. And you already know we live in a messy place. And in this world, that's where God broke in with the message of Christmas. And what is the message of Christmas? In verse eight, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now you got to picture this. These shepherds are just doing their thing. They're watching their sheep. And here comes an angel. And in scripture, every time an angel shows up, somehow the way they look must really startle people because the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. It's what they said to Mary, what they said to Joseph. And we see this again to the shepherds. Do not be afraid we have good news, good news that will bring joy. Now, these were Jewish shepherds, and they would have immediately started to think, wait, this is an angel from the Lord. He's bringing good news of joy. I think I know what it is. Because you see, for hundreds of years, the Israelites were waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. God promised them that one day a Messiah would come, a savior. And remember, they were under the oppression of the Romans. So listen, they're thinking, yay, it's time. The Messiah will come, and we're going to kick these Romans out of here, and Israel will be strong again. In fact, they probably remember the promise from Isaiah chapter 9, written almost 400 years before this very moment. Look what it says. For to us, a child is born. To us. A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're told that this is the promise, a Savior will come. So when they hear this from the angels, they're like, okay, it's here, it's happening. And then comes the next verse, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, you know, it sort of sounds, makes sense when you read it, but you have to think about the shepherds again. They hear this. To you today, a savior is born. How many of us think a savior as a innocent, dependent little baby? You could imagine them going, "What? wait, that's great, we have a Savior, but a baby? What is a baby going to be able to do other than like, need diapers and food? So this is immediately starting to shift the mindset of the shepherds. Wait, what does this mean? How could the Savior just be a child? We expect, okay, fine, it has to be born at some point, but by now the Savior should come ready to fight, ready to save us. But no, it comes as a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, There's a theological truth that's being said here that's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. So you could imagine the shepherds for a minute freezing, trying to figure this out. Because what we see in Christmas, the Christmas story, is a powerful truth that God, the creator of the universe, chose to be like you and I. Chose to be a human. Philippians 2 tells us, Jesus, who being in very the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It's remarkable to even think about that. The God who has no limit in time comes into a limited place. The God who is a creator, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, eternal, suddenly puts himself in a place where he has a beginning like you and I. Remarkable. In fact, I love the way that St. Augustine puts this in a sermon that he preached himself. Listen to what it says. He so loved us that for our sake he was made man in time, although through him all times were made. He was made who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was held by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He, the word, without whom all human eloquence is mute. It's remarkable that God chose to be just like you and I to show us his love for us. And John chapter one puts it this way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. God emptied himself in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human to be close, to be with us. That's what we celebrate in Christmas. And there's a reason for him coming. Because he came not to be served by us. He came to serve us. Another remarkable truth about Christmas. This is Jesus saying this in Mark. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. Which of course brings us to that famous passage, which encompasses the love that God has promised us through Jesus Christ. In John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave in his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus went from a crown to a manger to a cross for you, for me. And I remember thinking at one point, really, why would God do that? Why would God take my mess? Listen, I've made a mess out of my life. I get it. I I have my own consequences for my decisions. I should pay the price for that. But God says, I will pay the price for your sin. Imagine that. God comes to do that. And you know what the message of Christmas screams to every single one of us? Is that you're worth it. You are worth it. That's how much God loves you. If it was only one of you that he needed to die for, one of us, he would do it again. You are worth it. And I wonder, as you look at the story of Christmas, do you believe this? Have you accepted this? Because let's look at the shepherds, what happens with them. I'm guessing they're having this theological thought, and they're probably frozen for a minute, and the angels look at them and think, okay, I'm not convincing you. Let me give you a little more extra convincing. So this is what happens in verse 13. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest of heaven and on peace to those whom his favor rests." A whole host of heavenly people. Here's a a witness crowd to say, listen, this is the truth. Praise the Lord for this truth. Now you might be here today. You may not be sure about this story. You're like, well, I mean, I got to think about that for a second. I'm not so sure God died really for me. I don't understand any of it. But listen, you might need to rely on the eyewitness testimony of someone else. Maybe there's someone in your life who is already believing in this truth and there's evidence in their life. My life is evidence of this truth, the change in my own life. There are people around you who have that kind of change. Let them be a witness to you that you too will believe and accept the gift that God wants to give you, especially in this Christmas. And so then we see how the shepherds respond to this beautiful picture in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they turned off, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Maybe some of you need to go on a journey. Maybe some of you, maybe you're the one that needs to say, okay, I'm not so sure yet, but I'm going to go look and see. I'm going to examine this further. And that's why we want to invite you to come back for the services. Maybe this is the first time you've been in a church in a while. Come back, examine the person of Jesus Christ. Read the word of God for the first time. When I read it at 40 years old, after having Bibles all over my house and never even looking at them, I read it. I couldn't believe the things I did not know. So maybe this is the year where you decide, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to see if this is true. And I tell you, God will answer that prayer. He will reveal to you what you need to know to understand that his love is real, eternal, and a promise for you. And that he has life behind this for you. Beyond the Christmas trees, beyond the lights, before, the, beyond the parties and the gifts of this Christmas season, God has a gift for you that is much greater, much last, more lasting, eternal, and much more so of what you need. You don't need another gift. You need the gift that comes from God. And I wonder, if a tree was set up with all sorts of gifts, And you were a little child and you were told, listen, over there there's a tree with the gifts that you want this morning. It's time to go open them up. What child would say, oh, no, never mind. I don't want that gift. But this is what we do with God. We say, no, thanks. Thanks for the gift. You see, God isn't asking you to be better, be greater, clean up your act. He's just saying, will you accept my free gift of grace? And what better day can we run to that tree and open that gift but on Christmas Day? Because this is the day where we celebrate the love of God for each and every one of us. So powerful that he gave his one and only son so that we could have life. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and His work together. Thanks again.